Well, we are starting our new sermon series called Hero Maker, and I'm really excited about it. Um, I don't know about you, but do you ever hear voices just in the random day-to-day of your life where these random voices pop in your head? For me, and maybe this would help you identify your hero makers, it's those voices that pop in your head that are probably the people who have influenced you the most. So I'll give you two of the voices I hear in my head. One's my father. When I was a kid, I grew up on a hog farm in central Iowa. We had a lot of chores, a lot of things to do. I had four, three older brothers, four boys, and so we would walk out. I was the youngest of four boys, and so we'd, we'd walk out on a Saturday morning, and we had to do chores pretty much all day Saturday to kind of catch up for us. Dad letting us off because he was really nice during the week. And so Dad would, would always say something like this. All right, here's the five things we need to do today. Craig you're in charge, right? So once Craig was in charge, that means that Craig's, that was one of my brothers, he, he called the shots today and he had to do, right? This, it was his day to direct things. Or, you know, eight-year-old boy, me, he would go, Ryan, you're in charge today, right? And my, my brothers, I'm sure, were like, oh my goodness, it's gonna be the longest day ever. Dad just put an eight-year-old in charge of a farm, right? Like those things. But I remember dad doing that. And one of the things that influenced me is I know when it's time to lead and when it's time to follow. And as long as I know the order, and so if you're around me working much, it's kind of like I'm in a room like, who's in charge? Who's in charge? All right, I'll be in charge, right? Like I gotta know who's calling the shots. But it, it was a valuable lesson in leadership for me in my life. It was a valuable lesson in you know, okay, if I need to follow, I need to follow. And so I hear, like, when I, like, someone's leading and I, I begin to step up and, like, want to lead, I can kind of hear myself, like, saying, okay, who's in charge? This person's been appointed, right? I let go with me. So another voice that I hear um, in my head is a guy named Craig Joring. Craig discipled me when I first came to Christ in college and invested in my life. And Craig was this overly, overly positive person. And so... And, Oftentimes, I don't know about you, but oftentimes I can tell you the 10 reasons why we can't go after what we're about to go after. Anybody ever, are you ever there in your life like you just kind of get overwhelmed with the thoughts of the reasons this is going to be challenging? And I remember early in ministry, I called him one time and I said, hey, this is what I want to do, but man, here's all my roadblocks. And I just started listing all my roadblocks of what I felt like God was leading me to do. And Craig said this. He goes, you use the word can't a lot. And he goes, what if you just started saying, this is how we can do this? And it's just a simple change of the word, but you, you're looking at all the reasons you can't. Why don't you begin to look at why you can and how you can and overcome those things? So those voices in my head, right, they shape me and they speak to me, right? They speak to me, these, these voices, and telling me how to go about Anybody have these voices in your head, like, that have shaped you, that help you move and go like this? And I can tell you, right, so I'm not, I'm not, I hope I'm not all creepy in this, like, hearing voices. Okay. So we have these, and these are these hero makers in our life. And so, um, kind of following with me, so the church, right, the church is a movement, The church is a movement that began with people who had resolved to die to their own success. So the church is a movement that that began with people who had resolved, right, resolved. This is mean I have a strong decision to die to their own successes, right? The, The disciples, did they say, hey, Jesus, awesome invitation, 
to come follow you, but I am a fisherman. And we just had a huge catch, which some people are saying you did, but I think we did it because we're really good at this. And I'm just going to stick at this business. You know, they said, I'm done, right? I'm going to follow you. They died to their own successes. The movement of the church was founded upon maximizing impact of everyday people, setting others up to fulfill all God has for them, maximizing impact. And this was everyday men and women, right? Maximize impact, everyday people to fulfill all God has for them. Just so we're clear in this room, God has a plan for your life and he wants to use you in this world. Anybody with me on this? Do you, do you agree with what I just said? All right. So we agree with that. All right. So fulfill all God has for them to be hero makers, meaning setting others up to succeed. Hero making is a mindset as much as it is a practice. And that's what we're going to talk about today is how to begin to think like a hero maker, how to begin to think like a multiplier of giving my life to someone else who will then give themselves away. And so this is kind of where we're going. So hero making, again, is investing my life in others to maximize my impact, <clears throat> my impact for God's glory. And so just a second, we're going to read John 14, 12 and Acts 1, 8. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there with me. John 14, 12 and Acts 1, 8. There's a Bible in the seat ahead of you. If you don't have it, it'll also be on our screens this morning. And so, so in order to be a hero maker, I believe there's some things that kind of have to happen inside of our hearts and lives. And we're going to be talking about this over the next five weeks, but I'll just give you the, the beginnings of it. I, I think it begins with personal development. Personal development. <clears throat> this, is, this is this place where I recognize that I need to grow in my faith and I need to grow in my skill and I need to grow in life. It's coming to a place where I legitimately say to the Lord and I say to someone else, help me have something to give, right? I can't make heroes, right? I can't, I can't give myself away if I have nothing to give away. And I believe in the faith, personal development. It, it, it's knowing who God is through his word, but also knowing his voice intimately when he speaks. Knowing his will above my own knowing his government and how he can lead and guide with authority. Knowing, again, his voice when he speaks in my life. Personal development, walking intimately with God every day, which then leads to big dreams and our God is a God of big dreams. You will never dream bigger than God. Big dreams. Thinking about life beyond me, beyond my impact, legacy to generation to generation, which then leads to multiplying impact in others, that others' lives are changed because God showed up in me and then God showed up in us and then God showed up beyond, which then leads to maximizing impact, that my life exhausted for maximum impact for God's kingdom. So let's read together John 14, 12 and Acts 1, 8. <clears throat> so if you will, this morning, stand with me in reverence of God's word today. John 14, 12 reads, <clears throat> Truly, truly, I say to you, 
Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Next book over, Acts 1.8, reads, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Lord, would you help us this morning as we look at your word? Would you help us to understand that which you have called us to, that which you have asked, us, asked of us? And would you help us to fulfill all your plans for us? Jesus, we love you. And Lord, I pray that you'd use me In any way, shape, or form you desire today, I ask in your name, Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. So, as we look at this passage, these passages together, we're going to look at them both individually, and then I'm going to add another one on at the end. The first thing that we see, without a doubt, in John 14, 12, is we are empowered to multiply. We are empowered to multiply, meaning that God is going to give us what we need to do what he has asked. We are empowered to multiply. In John 14, 12, we see Jesus speaking about multiplication. So again, John 14, 12 reads, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. So the context of this verse is this is the last days of Jesus. This is kind of the the last hour before his arrest. And he's speaking about the Holy Spirit of God. And then he makes this statement saying that you, right, and we know the events that are going to happen. They're going to desert him, right? They're going to be left alone. Then Jesus is going to die. He's going to be buried, He's going to be resurrected, and then he's going to begin to have appearances. And some will say, let me see the scars. Let me see. Let me make sure this is you, Jesus. And so Jesus, knowing the events that are going to happen, he's going to make this statement, right? This truly, truly, I say to you. And so this truly, truly, right, in this text is this listen up. This is the equivalent of me getting down to my daughter's faces grabbing their cheeks and saying, look at me, right? No, no, sorry. No, look at me, baby. Look at me, right? Sorry. You know when you grit your teeth. No, Jesus wasn't gritting his teeth here. But, but what he, it's, it's a grab your cheeks moment. Saying, listen to this. Really, really important. This is true. This, this is real. Truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever believes in me, the imperative of belief. This is a belief to the bones that I believe that my Savior, Jesus, came, bled, died, rose, ascended, lives, and is exalted. The imperative of belief. So this, listen up, if you believe, right? You will, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. 
right? This is the model of Jesus. Jesus has never asked us to do anything that he did not do himself. I don't know if you you like that about a leader, but I, I kind of do. Jesus has never asked us to do anything that he did not do himself. And so we have record, right? We have record, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We have record of the works that Jesus did, right? We'll also do the works that I do, once did. This earthly ministry of him, Jesus lived. He showed compassion to the hurting. He showed care for the lost and wandering. He proclaimed good news to the captive and the poor and the hurting. He brought healing. He made disciples And he sacrificed his life fully so that others might have life. Jesus emptied himself for us. But clearly, Jesus made disciples. Jesus made disciples, and in making disciples, the movement of God exploded in his ascension, which we're going to get to in just a second. It exploded in his ascension. Jesus made disciples. So then it says, greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. So this is an interesting phrase that Jesus makes. It's really a phrase of endless possibilities. Greater works than these will he do. Right? Greater works than than these will he do, meaning that this life he lived, this compassion he gave, this healing he brought, this proclamation that he constantly was giving, these disciples that he's made, the sacrifice that he lived, what it's saying is that you haven't seen anything yet. There's more to come. Now, one of the hinging points of this text is if you believe that Jesus is dead, then you will do greater works in your own strength. But if you believe that Jesus is alive and you surrender your life over to him, it is him increasing his own works in this world through himself. Now, I I do believe that a lot of people walk around living like they have a dead savior. Not a resurrected God on high, a Jesus who is still directing all of the events of those whom he loves and whom he cherishes and whom he dwells. Right? And this is the statement he makes. How will we do these greater works? He says, because I'm going to the Father. This is done through him. We have resurrection power. Jesus is the one now empowering us to do this. J.D. Greer said this, greater refers to the reach and extent of our works as we see the Spirit multiply through us into the lives of others. Greater happens only as we pursue multiplication with our lives. So the the implications, right? The endless possibilities, the unending legacy, when we truly embrace a passage like this and believe that, that Jesus was serious when he spoke about these greater works. Think about a guy named Sam Stevens. Some of you have met him. He's preached here multiple times. He's a he's a global leader in India. And Sam Stevens in India, in the 90s, they said, what if we planted 200 churches? Today, there's over 90,000 churches in India. I was sitting with Sam just 
not even about eight months ago, I was sitting with Sam. We were at a conference, and Sam was speaking at the conference, and I was big time because I knew the guy that was speaking at the conference, and so all those little people, right, didn't know Sam. I did. He's my buddy. He's been in my office. Like, we know him. We support him. We love that ministry. But Sam said, you know what's the issue with you, you American Christians? So, all right, let me, let, let me have it, man. What's our issue? He goes, you release people too slow. You believe too little. You wait too long. The second someone believes is the second they need to become obedient. The second someone shows spiritual growth, the second you release them, stop sitting in classrooms and get busy, get going for Jesus. He said, the second someone we believe, we call them to obedience in him the moment they believe. And we release church planters the second they have a calling. There's too much at stake and there's too little time. People are perishing. And Sam has released people rather rapidly. And multiplication has happened exponentially in India. Sam would say like this, that the statistics don't really match it. He goes, we think maybe there's up to 10% Christians, 10% Christian in India today because of the work of our ministry and others like it. They're changing the story in India because they believed that God can still do great things in their day, right? And what have they believed? They've believed in building people, the power of multiplication. The second, the second is we are commissioned to multiply. So not only are we empowered to multiply, like we have the strength, we have the power, we are commissioned to multiply. Acts 1.8, we see the New Testament church and the commission to multiply. So Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So he says this, that first, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, now Jesus speaking in this in Acts 1a, this is, he, he's about to ascend to heaven. This is his 40 days, right? This is his 40 days of living after his resurrection, and he's, as he ascends, he speaks these words. So he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So the first thing that we see in this text is this is beyond us, right? This is beyond us. There is a power that is not of us that is going to come in us and fill us to do that which we cannot do ourselves. Anybody with me on this, right? We we cannot do this work on our own. We need a power from on high that is not of us. And what this means is receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you This is a a knowledge, right, of God and who he is. This is the government of God coming and ruling and reigning over our hearts and lives. And this spirit that, that, that fills us will be one that influences and directs us by his living voice in us. And so it works like this. Because the Holy Spirit indwells me, I might walk up to someone this week and said, this morning when I was spending time in God's word and prayer, you became, you came upon my mind. And I just wanted to have a conversation with you this morning because the Lord really impressed on my heart to say this. God has great plans for your life and he deeply loves you. And I don't know what I could be of benefit to your life, but I want you to know that I'm here and I love you and I care for you. 
the Holy Spirit's government over our life, the living voice of God speaking into our souls, guides and directs and leads us. I don't know about you, but I believe our world needs a lot more people that hear from God in those ways. And I hope I am one of them. So first, we see it's beyond us, but there's a given assignment. There's a given assignment. He says, you will be my witnesses. So this is a a witnessing work, right? This is saying that, that I'm going to be a witness to that which has occurred and happened in time and history and in my own heart and life. And what you see happens in the book of Acts. They are filled. They do go out. And you know what they do when they go out? They say, let me tell you about me. I'm really amazing. One day I was reading my Bible and all of it just began to make sense to me. And let me tell you the depths of all that I've read and understood. No. I say, let me tell you about God. Let me tell you about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Let me tell you about David and God's great plan for this world. And they're quoting from Joel, and they're quoting from Psalms, and they're quoting from all these sections. And they say, but Jesus, he came. And I'm witness, I saw him. He transformed my heart and life. He instructed me, oh, that you would turn your life over to the one you crucified. And they say it over and over and over in every temple, in every courtyard, in every marketplace they go to. And what happens? The church is multiplied in all Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, all Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So we see we're, we're, it's beyond us. We're given an assignment, and we're given parameters. And the parameters, what does he say? In Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So here's the problem with the parameters. They're rather expansive, right? God didn't say, go into your local township, link up with those people in your local township, and think of nothing else beyond you, right? If you, you, so so wear, right, wear your orange and black, wear your, wear your white and purple, right? Like, wear, wear your colors, stay in your tribe, that's what he said. He goes, there's a new tribe. And this tribe is the kingdom of God. And you have these people called your brothers and sisters. And you, together, are going to have specific callings from me. And you, together, as a body, as the church, you are going to go into all. Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I remember I was sitting in an interview one time as I was contemplating coming on staff at a church and I was sitting in an interview and a guy sat down with me one-on-one and he grilled me and he disagreed with me completely and didn't want me to have the job because I believed in global missions. He said, we have enough problems in our own cities, we have enough problems in our own places. Don't worry about all those other things. Here's my deal. I can't believe less than what God has asked of me. God has asked of every one of us to go to all Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, all of us aren't going to have that calling upon our life, but you better get behind the people that do. And we better believe inside the walls of this church that God is going to empower people to do that. And if we believe, if we're arrogant enough to believe that God isn't going to send any more entrepreneurs out because there's already too many, Christianity is straight done. 
God is a God who empowers dreamers and entrepreneurs to go out and to do great and wonderful and majestic things for his kingdom, for his glory. And I believe we live in a day where there are a lot of mission agencies and there's a lot of Christian nonprofits and there's a lot of things. And I think it's amazing because I believe we're in a day where the mission of God is exploding. Jesus said, this kingdom will be preached to all nations and the end will come. Matthew 24, 14. I don't know, but I believe we live in a day more than any other day where that is happening. And I believe the end is very near because the gospel is going to the very ends of the earth because the church cares about it. So we are commissioned to multiply it, right? So we're given parameters, right? Which is fairly loud. So again, endless possibilities, unending legacy. But, but I believe this commission to multiply, it hinges on something in our own hearts and lives in this room. And this commissioning to multiply, so, so it works like this with my kids. Um, so, so my kids, um, they, they have to believe two things about me if we're going to do this thing called parenting and children together. They, they have to believe that I, I have authority in their life, right? And they, they, have to, they, have to, they have to believe that I have authority, and they have to have knowledge of what I'm asking them and requesting of them, correct? Are you with me? And so, so I can't ask my kids to do something they don't know how to do, and if they don't think that I know what I'm talking about, which sometimes they don't, and uh, the cost of sarcasm. And so, so sometimes they don't. But, but if these two things aren't in my parenting, right, authority, right, and, and knowledge, like believe the, the, my children believing that, that I have authority, that I have knowledge, right, if they believe these things, what will we have? We will have trust plus responsibility. We'll have trust and responsibility. And, and here's the thing where every one of us has to decide this. Does God have authority? Do you believe that the Lord deserves complete government authority over your life? And what he says goes. And do you believe, even in this, that he is more knowledgeable than you are? I cannot answer that for any other man, woman, or child. Every person must answer that for themselves. If you believe those two things, it will come with trust and responsibility. Whoever believes in me, do you believe that God has authority over your life? Do you believe that he knows better than you? And if so, pray, ask, help me to continue to trust increasingly and to embrace the responsibility that is mine. Third, we're going to read from 2 Timothy 1.14 and then 2. 1 and 2. 2 Timothy 1, 14, and then 2, verses 1 and 2. So this, we see, we are compelled to multiply. So the New Testament church actually didn't just kind of brush away this teaching. Jesus said this was going to happen. 
So in Acts 1.8, right, it happened. They were filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And so right after Acts 1.8, they went in the upper room. Like they waited. The Holy Spirit fell upon them. They went out and they were witnesses. And then what we see through the book of Acts is 3,000, 5,000, multiplication, multiplication, more and 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 more people coming to faith, following Jesus, embracing his ways, embracing his government, his authority in their life. So here, this is Paul. Second Timothy is thought of to be Paul's deathbed letter. This is it. His life is about to be done. This is his legacy letter to one of his disciples. Seems like maybe his most beloved, Timothy. He writes to him in these ways, these really dear ways, like my dear son. Right? This loving relationship they had. So in Acts 1.14, he says this, By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. There's a charge right in this. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. And then the text kind of transitions for a moment. And then in verse 2, verse 1, he says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So again, last days of Paul. And so in this, what do we see? So First, Paul has this principle, right? Give it away. He says, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Don't hoard it. Don't keep it to yourself. But he says, guard the good deposit entrusted to you, meaning that what you have is precious. Do you believe that the treasure of the knowledge of God in which we possess is precious? Guard the good deposit entrusted you. What I have given you, Timothy, is good. Hold to it, man. Hold to it. And he says this personal development, right? He says, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Kind of add my own paraphrase to it. Oh, Timothy, don't ever get over Jesus. Don't ever get over your Savior and what he has done for you. May tears come to your eyes. Might you be moved day by day, moment by moment, by the extravagant love of your Savior. Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Recognize that you were made to love God. You rebelled against him, but you have been radically saved and he has made you into someone you could not have made yourself. Don't ever get over the grace, Timothy. And then he moves into multiplication. So he says, give it away, right? Guard it, give it away. Personal development. And then he moves into this kind of give it away multiplicatively. I don't even think that's a word. Multiplication. He says, and what you have heard from me, Paul, in the presence of many witnesses. So we see Paul spoke to Timothy. So we have Paul, Timothy. What you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses Entrust the faithful men. Give it away. Give it to another generation who will, who will be able to teach others also. Paul, Timothy, faithful men, others. We see it given away. We see it going on down the line. Multiplication happened. Trust the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. 
the endless possibilities and the unending legacy that is ours in Christ Jesus. In this, what is he speaking of? That we are compelled. How are we compelled? Well, we are indwelt by the living presence of God himself. We are built up in the faith. We, we, in, 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 in this being indwelt and being built up, there's evidence of something bigger than us living in us. In this intelligent relationship we have with God, we once had an unintelligent relationship with God, meaning that we did not know, but when we came to know him, we entered into an intelligent relationship with God where I once did not hear his voice, now I do hear his voice. When I once did not know his ways, now I do know his ways. When I once did not have light in which I saw the world, Now I do. The endless possibilities when we are compelled to multiply. And maybe, maybe simply it's this, that I have such an intelligent relationship with God, and don't hear that intellectually, hear it as in this deep, intimate relationship, that I just simply desperately want others to have the same thing. And I want it to be multiplied from my life. This morning I was standing in the, the office and um, <clears throat> one, of, one of the ladies come, came in and um, she's a senior adult here and she came in and she said, great news. I said, what, what's happening? She goes, am I glowing? I said, you're glowing. What's, what's going on? She goes, I've had my fifth great grandchildren today. I'm like, whoa, that is incredible. Now, I'm going to tell you something I've observed in life. Have you noticed how fast things begin to grow as generations go down the line? Have you noticed this? Like there's some people that have the, the ability to live a long time. And so, grant, you know, your own kids, they come, well, for us forever, but they, they come, right? And it's kind of a slow process and they grow up slow. And then all of a sudden, then your kids start having kids, right? And all the grandparents in the room were like, yes, Right? I get to go visit them and I get to leave, right? The best kind of kid. And, and so you, you go and you visit your grandkids. And then if you have the ability to live long enough, what do you get to see? Your great-grandkids. And if you have 12 kids and those 12 kids have kids, it begins to multiply. And all of a sudden, I've met people before and they don't even know. Like Debbie's grandma, she didn't even know who was who. She didn't know what family was what. She didn't know anything anymore because there's so many kids. She had eight kids and there were all these other kids. And then every generation, it began to multiply. That's what God wants to do with you spiritually. He wants us to have a generations beyond generations with our life. He wants to make us hero makers. This isn't about Ryan Johnson. This is about the next generation. This is about the, the, the millennials and the Xers and the boomers and every one of us moving forward saying, give this stuff away that more and more people down the line might have faith and belief. And so... This, for each of us, it's, it's right in front of us. It's right in front of each of us. You don't have to do anything significant to be a hero maker. You just have to open your eyes right where you live, your family, your friends, your neighbors, where you work, the guy sitting next to you, the girl sitting next to you, car rides, breaks, meals, boardrooms, and all the spaces. Open our eyes. Or we play all the other places of life where I end up and show up. I need to open my eyes and see that I have an ability to help prop others up to achieve great things for God. So I believe the simple commitment, the simple commitment 
would be this. I want to help prop others up to succeed and achieve to the achieve the fullest of their potential, especially for the kingdom of God and the movement of the gospel. I want to help prop others up to succeed and achieve to the fullest of their potential. That I truly want good for other people. And when I'm around, people know that about me. And these are the kind of people that we want to be, right? That are helping others. And then I would say, now, just so you know, it is a noble thing to do that in other things in life, not just in spiritual things. And I believe that if you become a multiplier, hero maker in the kingdom sense, you'll do it in all other kinds of sense. But especially because there's nothing more important than the kingdom of God and the movement of the gospel in this world. And I believe this is the simple commitment to be a hero maker, saying that I want to live to help prop others up to achieve all that God has for them. So last, multiplication thinking. It's like this, investing my life in others to maximize my impact for God's glory. I want in my life to invest in others so that when my life is all said and done, every bit that God made me to be will be maximized for his kingdom and his purposes. So we have been empowered, we have been commissioned, and we are compelled to multiply. So might we begin to think multiplication so that others so so that we might be hero makers let's pray father we thank you we thank you jesus for your word and the clarity of it and lord help us to be a church help us to be people that major simply that god you You have all authority on heaven and earth. Lord, we believe that. And Lord, we believe that you know better than we do. So Lord, would you help us to scrap all of our plans and all of our ways and help us to embrace your way and your plans. God, it is clear that the scripture calls us to be people who make disciples, who multiply our lives. And so if it's the first step of simply coming to faith in you, Jesus, today, I pray that you would help whoever that is to turn in repentance and faith, to turn from their sin, commit their life to you, Jesus. And today, might you fill them with your Holy Spirit. And might you begin to teach them your ways and help them to trust you in all things. For those who know you today, Lord, I pray, I pray that we would would bank everything on your authority. Bank everything that you know better than us. And fully and completely trust in your ways. Jesus, we love you. Make us like you. Help us to be men and women who prop others up, who believe in others, who teach others, who train others, who come alongside of others. Help us to be hero makers, Lord. We love you. 
Help us to respond appropriately. As we sing, as we worship, as we commit these things to you, Lord, we love you and ask this in your name. If you will, let's stand together and we're going to sing this last song. These altars are open for you to make any commitment that God would be leading you today. Might we sing this kind of as an anthem of who we are as a church and who God has asked us to be.